Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing? Good. Isn't the news awesome? I love it. (laughs) It connects you with people with both of our campuses, and I love it. It's so great. But I'm so excited to share this morning with you all. I really have a message on my heart from the Lord, and I'm just so excited. I felt it in worship. I feel like we're all in the room hungry for what God has for us this morning, and I'm so excited. But before I go any further... I want to give honor to whom honor is due. So first, I want to thank Pastors Michael and Heather for the opportunity to speak today. You guys are amazing. Yeah, let's give it up for them. (laughs) You guys are amazing pastors. You're loving, you're strong, you're compassionate. And I don't think anyone in this room knows what it looks like, what you guys do, but I'm so thankful for you guys, and I'm so thankful to have you as amazing in-laws as well. Grandkids aren't coming yet. Someday, but <laughs> someday, but not yet. And then secondly, I always want to honor my husband of 11 months. Let's go, baby. <laughs> but you're always so encouraging and loving. I love you. <laughs> awesome. Well, for those of you who are not here last week or for those who were, we had an amazing message by Pastor Jacob Jones. Yeah, we can give it up for him. He's right there, second row. We learn that as children of God, we are corrected, right? And when we are corrected and when others are, our goal is to always put Jesus at the center and help others get closer to Jesus. And I love at the end of his message, well, not his message, the verses that he had, the last verse said, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And this is the verse that's going to lead us right into our main verse for today. Are you ready, church? (laughs) I encourage you to lead in, be vocal, and take notes. The title of my message today is called, We Can Only Harvest What We Plant. Let's pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for today, God. I thank you for the opportunity to encourage everyone in this room, God. I thank you for everyone in this room, and I pray that today's message, Lord, would speak to them, God. Give me the exact words to speak to them, Jesus. I pray that we would walk away with a better understanding of harvesting what we plant here on earth and the effects of it eternally. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this part's really funny, and I'm excited to share. I want to tell you about a little backstory about myself, okay? So I come from a family of all girls. I have two other sisters, one's older, one's younger. So I'm the middle child. And my dad even let us get a girl dog at one point. So girls rule the house. It's great. (laughs) Lots of emotions, (laughs) but it's just part of it. Now, I grew up in Michigan for most of my life until I moved to college in Arizona. And that's where I met Caden. But the key word here is Michigan, okay? I lived in a small town called Kalamazoo, and a house I lived in for a good amount of my life 
was by some cornfields. So I like to tell Caden that I'm a country girl. Like, I married a city boy, and I'm a country girl. It's great. <laughs> now, the reason why I say I'm a country girl is because I did corny tasseling. And it's okay, you can laugh at it. When I was younger, my friends and I, we were like in eighth grade, and we were like, oh my gosh, like, our soccer coach was in charge of this corny tasseling company, and he's like, Brooklyn, you need to bring your friends, and you got to join. And I was like, okay, like, what does that look like? And I did cheer. It's a very girly sport. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And so my friends and I, we decided to dress, and they give us all this gear. It's like a or bright orange hat, all this other stuff. You have to wear a long sleeve so you don't get corn rash. Like, who would know of corn rash unless you know cornfields? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to make money at eighth, and when I'm in eighth grade, where you usually can't make any money in eighth grade unless your parents give you money for chores, but that didn't happen that often. So... I did corny tasseling. We get on a bus at 6 a.m., and they drive us out to a field, and we walk these fields front and back, taking out the tassels of the corn. Now, there's a whole thing with that, but you get the picture, right? I did corny tasseling. Now, secondly, we lived by a farm growing up, and it smelled so bad. Like, I remember one time my mom and I were driving, and different, in different seasons it smelled worse. And so one time we were driving, and we park our car in the garage, and we're, like, I literally could not breathe. Like, I was like, Mom, this is so bad. So we ran inside, and it was because of the cows in our backyard. Like, we had some land, and there was a fence, and the cows were right there. And then, I'll never forget one time, the cows escaped. Guys, this is hilarious. They literally were all huddled in the street, and my mom and sisters and dad and I, we were like, is this real? Like, all the cows are right there. It's so funny. But lastly, we also had a garden. We grew watermelon, cucumbers, peppers, etc., and it was so awesome. From a young age, I understood what it meant to harvest what we planted. Every morning, my sisters and I would run to see if there was any fruit or vegetables that somehow grew overnight. Sometimes that happened. But most of the time, it didn't. <laughs> it took time, and it took work. Harvesting what we planted took time. It took work. We all helped my dad prepare the soil, dig the dirt, put the seeds in. But it was his job to make sure it was nurtured correctly. What that means is making sure it gets enough sunlight. When the sprink He had a certain sprinkler, and he would set it up, and he would move it throughout the days. It was his, it was his job for that, and we just... We just got the harvest. It was great as girls. <laughs> but the process of planting seeds and nurturing them correctly so that they will grow bountiful is actually biblical. And I think we see it more in our lives than we know. It is crucial today that as Christians, we understand God's ecosystem of, for our lives. What I mean by that is how we live our life here on earth. It has an earthly harvest and also eternal harvest. And we're going to break it down. That's a big thing to say, and I want to make sure by the end of my message today, you understand what that means. Our main scripture for today is out of Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. So let's read it real quick. It says, You will always harvest what you plant. Those who only live to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those 
who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will harvest a blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially in the family of faith. We are going to jump right into it. So to break down this verse, point one is what are we planting? Galatians 6 verse 7 says, you will always harvest what you plant. Key word is always. You always harvest what you plant. Now, of course, we plant seeds. We're going to be talking a lot about seeds today. You're going to hear it a lot. And you're going to hear harvest and you're going to hear fruit, but seeds. I want you to understand what seeds are and what does planting seeds mean and what it looks like here on life at, on earth. So before we talk about heaven, what that looks like in heaven, what does planting seeds on earth look like? There are many seeds that we can plant on earth. For example, the seed, we go to college. And then the fruit, we get a degree or a job in the future, right? Another example, the seed, investing into our children's lives. The fruit, we build strong children and a strong family. Another example, the seed, we build connections and we work hard at work, right? The fruit, a strong business. It takes time and it takes work. Don't get me wrong. Like, it takes time and it takes work. Some spiritual seeds that we plant on earth can look like this. The seed, our words. We have the authority to speak things into action. Kind of like what Pastor Carlos was just saying on stage during worship. He was saying, sing these words. They're powerful. And they're powerful because when you speak, things come into action and you believe it. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And the fruit, it's life-giving or it's destructive. We get to choose. We can think about every single word we say before we say it. Are we planting and nurturing words that will bring us life or death? It's always a good question. It's always good to read that verse and take a step back and reflect on that, right? Another seed that's a spiritual seed is faith. It says in Matthew 17, verse 20 through 21, For I truly tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you, church. The fruit is growing faith and change circumstances. It just says if we have faith as small as a mustard seed. Well, that's a seed right away. It's seed. God, you see my faith. I'm choosing right now to have faith. Can you move on my behalf? The seed, generosity to others. Matthew 11, verse 25 says, A generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will him himself be refreshed. I love that verse. The fruit, you yourself prospers. As you encourage others, as you 
as you push them forward in the dreams and plans that God has for them, God is going to take care of you in the meantime. You just got to be strong. You got to be faithful, and you got to be encouraging. We truly harvest what we plant. And the seeds that we plant produce fruits on earth, like we've just walked through. And we can see those with our physical eyes. We can feel those with our with our <laughs> emotions. However, I want to encourage and challenge us today that there are also things that we can plant here on earth that lead to an eternal harvest and an eternal fruit. Fruit, though, that we might not be able to see with our physical eyes. So how do we plant seeds on earth that lead to eternal harvest? This leads me to point two, living to please the Spirit. Galatians chapter 6 verse 8 says, But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. When you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and obey His leading, your spirit comes alive. If we are living a life that is pleasing to the Lord, we can trust God to bring forth a harvest in His perfect timing, and we have access to everlasting life. It says, as we please the Spirit, our harvest will be everlasting life from the Spirit. There's a song. I love worship songs, and I listen to them often. Growing up, I would listen to worship songs throughout my house, and it just fills me up. I love it. There's a song by SEU Worship called Deep Dive. And one of the lyrics says, it's right at the beginning of the song, it says, I can sense the call of your spirit. It's a still, small voice, but I hear it. And I loved that. As I heard it, my heart just sank, and I was like, oh, I love that. I want to be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. Just like in the grocery store, when you're minding your own business, you're getting all your groceries, and you hear your best friend's voice, or someone that you know, and you turn around, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's them. I want to have that same attentiveness to the voice of the Spirit when He calls. When you're sensitive or we can be sensitive and learn the voice of the Holy Spirit, of His leading and guiding. And when you do so, you're obeying and pleasing the Spirit. It's a journey that we get to go on with God. I love John 10, 27 through 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. There it is again, when we were talking about earlier in our scripture, Galatians 6, verse 8, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Down here it's talking about this eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. For me, sometimes it feels like a weight when the Holy Spirit speaks to me. This doesn't have to be weird. We're not making it weird here. <laughs> I feel a responsibility to do something when I say a weight. Sometimes it's to pray for someone, and oftentimes it's like that. I just had it the other day when we were, it's called Cousin Camp that Caden's family does, and it's so fun. And so all the cousins get together, and we were talking to one of his uncles, and we were at the beach, we were going to be with them for a few days, and he was talking to me about how he has two surgeries coming up for his shoulder, or both his shoulders, and I was like, oh man, like, that's intense. And he says that he's dealt with it, like, his whole life, and I was like, okay. But literally in that moment, my faith switch turned on, and I couldn't do anything about it. So I was just listening to him, and I was like, oh my gosh, what if we were to pray for him and see him healed, and he doesn't have to go in and get these surgeries? One, 
it's so painful to go through surgery and have the recovery process after. And also, too, it's so expensive. Who wants to pay that? <laughs> like, we could pray and see things change. So I left the conversation. I thought about it a little bit longer because it's kind of bold to be like, okay, can I pray for you right, right here, right now? So I got a little nervous, and I let some time go by, and I slept on it. And when I woke up, I was still thinking about it. And I was like, okay, Lord, you want me to do this. So we, I did. The next day we prayed for him, and that's all we could do. All we can do is pray, and God does the rest. Sometimes the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart. It's like little nudges. Obeying that is pleasing to the Spirit. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Find fun things for you and your family to enjoy on earth is not bad. And God wants you to enjoy this life on earth, right? But what God is getting us to look at in this scripture is the eternal picture. The verse touches on having a kingdom perspective, one that doesn't focus on the natural and the temporal, but on the supernatural and eternal. Our heart is kingdom focused, so our actions and decisions that we make up on that we make on earth can actually lay up treasures in heaven for us. Now, there are people here in the world that don't have an eternal focus or end of heaven in goal, and they get stuck in building the best life that they can here on earth because that's all they have. There's nothing ahead of them, right? There's nothing for them to look forward to and invest in eternally. It makes sense. In Galatians 6, verse 8, it says, Those who live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But when you live a life that pleases the Holy Spirit, you have eternal life. And in doing so, you're living set apart and walking in the ways of the Lord. And you actually lay up treasures in heaven. I'll never forget in eighth grade, I did competitive cheerleading. I talked about how I was a cheerleader. The church that I grew up in was having a weekend retreat for eighth graders to middle school. Well, eighth grade, middle schoolers to seniors in high school. And it was going to be so much fun. They were going to have worship, message. There was er, tons of messages. There was going to be inflatables, all this fun stuff, after parties. And I got invite cards at youth, and I gave them to my cheer team because I was like, how much fun would it be to have my whole cheer team there? Like, it's going to be a party. I want them there. And secondly, my public school friends could encounter Jesus. And literally, I tell you, almost every girl came because we hyped it up so much <laughs> at cheer practice. Are you coming? You got to come. Uh, and then we were like, my mom will let everyone stay the night so we can have a huge girl sleepover. Gigi, can you pull up the picture of all the girls? Yeah. So, literally almost every girl came, about 20 in t total, and they all encountered Jesus in such a real and personal way. I'll never forget a ministry moment that happened at the end, and they all walked down to the altar, and the presence of God was so thick. You could see it. They were emotional. But moments like those matter, right? Again, it's the seeds, the invitation, the hype. They could stay the night at my parents' house. We could carpool together. The memories. And then the fruit. They walked away knowing Jesus, having a foundation, in eighth grade, and received Bibles. One of my, yeah, we can give it up. 
one of my youth leaders pulled me aside at one of the, I think it's afterwards, and, there, and she was like, Brooklyn, you bringing your whole cheer team to this retreat, you have seen some of the fruit here on earth. But just wait. There's an eternal reward for doing so that's way bigger and so much more important. And that hit me. Church, sowing good seeds and living a life that is set apart and honoring to Jesus, there is an eternal reward, I promise you. God will reward us someday in heaven for how we lived our lives here on earth. It repeats itself over and over in scripture. In Luke, it mentions that there's a reward in heaven for those who endure persecution and hatred because of their faith. It also states that there's a reward. The reward will be great when we love our enemies and we do good to them here on earth. And it goes on. This is only rewarded because of our actions and decisions to live a life that's pleasing to the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we reap everlasting life. This is not of this world. This is set apart living, a type of living that we get to choose and walk in. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should, we should, we should walk in them. Leads me to my third point. Are you ready? Last point. Tiredness is not an option. We have zeal. Definition of zeal from the dictionary. Great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. We need to continue to have zeal in planting seeds and then waiting patiently for the harvest. Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will harvest a blessing if we don't give up. Church, we cannot get tired of doing good. The church needs to be strong. It needs to set the culture for this world. We are thermostats, not thermometers. We talked about that all the time in Bible college, and I love it. It means that when we walk into a room, we don't reflect the environment or the temperature. When we walk into a room, we change things. We change the environments. We change the standards. By our confidence, by our words, by our hard work, by our vision. Every single one of us plays a part, and that is very important. God uses each and every one of us to build his church. We can't lose heart. That means weariness, and we need to keep a revival spirit. So what exactly makes us tired? Environments, unhealthy work lifestyles, sinful patterns, not prioritizing time with God, losing sight of the future and forgetting why God brought us here, what he said to us in previous seasons, and what he's done. But I love what Psalm 77, verse 11 through 12 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Tiredness is not an option, for we have zeal. With zeal, we give it our all, and we will keep standing and living a life that's honoring to the Lord. We trust God that he will bring forth a harvest. With zeal, we will fulfill the dreams God has placed on our hearts. And with zeal, we will flourish, we will keep planting seeds, and we will stay passionate about the promises of God, and we will grow strong families. Zeal is contagious, just like laughter. 
I have some friends that I'm with, and sometimes when we start to laugh, all of a sudden our laughs sound very similar, and it's kind of scary. I don't know if you have some of those friends. And then we're like looking at each other like, oh no, <laughs> we're becoming the same. No. But zeal is contagious just like laughter. Can I challenge you today in your workplace, in your families, and wherever you walk about, are you bringing the passionate zeal for God? Are we being zeal culture carriers? As the last part in our Galatians scripture, it goes on to say Galatians 6.10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. We need to stand strong for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to be kind to them. I'm serious. We have to encourage them and believe in them more than they believe in themselves. We all are planting and harvesting, and sometimes seasons are harder than others. It says in John 4, verse 37, one sows while another one reaps. While one person is planting seeds continuously and it's hard, the person on your right could be harvesting seeds that they planted five years ago. There is always a process. So we can't let emotions guide us when it's hard. We know, we stick to the Bible, and we know that God is trustworthy, he's strong, and he has a purpose for each one of us, and his word says that there will be a harvest. Don't grow weary, for there is a good season coming up because of your goodness, your compassion, your kindness, your service, and your faithfulness to God and his people. So I want to take a moment for us to reflect. We're running out of time. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering why your life feels really hard. Maybe you feel like you keep getting bad things happening and thrown in your way. Your work isn't thriving like you used to. Your kids are running around crazy. You've been praying for so long and you haven't seen the results of seeds that you feel like you've been planting. Can I encourage you today that the seeds you're planting sometimes have a harvest here on earth. And for those of us as believers, it can be an eternal harvest as well. Only God knows what that harvest looks like. But if you are living a life that's pleasing to the spirit, it's so worth it. And the harvest in heaven is so much more worth it than the harvest here on earth is. It's a reward that's better than any reward on earth. So can I encourage you today? Today is the day. Today is time to go back to planting. Planting for God. Investing into relationships that will encourage you and bring fruit into your life. Today it's time to keep working hard. Working hard as if you are working for the Lord. Today it's time to not grow weary in doing good. For at just the right time you will reap a harvest. Today, it's time to keep staying patient. Your seeds are worth it, and the plant is, the fruit is so much more worth it as well. Your breakthrough could be just right around the corner. Don't miss what God has right around the corner for you because you become impatient. It's not worth it. Today, it's time to repent and to be kind to those around you. We are set apart. We have a set apart life. People should recognize that when they look at us. Today it's time to treasure God and to really love living for Him. Today it's time to get involved in your church. Bring your family. Invite those around you to come to church. Today it's time to take the next step and grow by attending 
a citizen group or lead one. I'm not just saying that, I'm serious. As you get involved in community and be around people that speak life into you and your soul will flourish. You will hear the things of God and you will step into it stronger because those around you are encouraging you. Today it's time to remember that storing treasures up in heaven are so much more important than the things of this world. Don't let another day pass. We are not guaranteed tomorrow, but we are guaranteed to stand in front of the Lord someday and say, Lord, I did what I could for you, and it all was worth it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're praying, spending time with God, doing all the right things, but you gave up too soon, or maybe you're about to. Can I encourage you that God's timing is trustworthy? He has your best interests in mind, and he only knows what you need. It's not worth giving up. Living a life for God is so worth it. And maybe you're here this morning, and you're like, Brooklyn, I want that kind of life you're talking about. I want to know the God you're talking about. And I want to live my life with a purpose. I'm tired of striving so hard. I need extra strength and I need extra grace. I want what you're talking about. If that's it, if that's you in this room today, I'm going to invite you to repeat a simple prayer. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I'm going to ask you to boldly raise your hand. No one's going to be looking around. It's just surrender to God. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life today, on a count of three, raise your hand. Number one, Jesus has died on the cross for all of our sins, and he's, walk, he's knocking on the door of your heart. Number two, don't wait another day. It's not worth it. He has so much in store for you right now. It's as simple as saying yes to him. Three, raise your hands right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we are going to pray together as a church. No one's saying it alone. Repeat after me. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Today I repent of my sins. And I make you the Lord, my Lord and Savior. Make me new. And I pray that you would help me to honor you. And to plant good seeds all the days of my life. In your timing, we will see a harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome.